Hi there, and welcome to Head Canon. This is episode 12. I'm Benjamin Light. I'm Marco Sparks. And we're talking about Mockingjay Part 2 this week. We uh, just saw Mockingjay in the theaters, so we're going to do a podcast about it. We weren't able to take as many notes as we would have otherwise, but I think we can fill some time. Uh, speaking of filling some time, uh, this morning I accidentally went to Yahoo for something, and mm-hmm. uh, Yahoo, that important bastion of internet news, one of the uh, many links it offered me was a list of 10 Harry Potter actors who didn't grow up hot. <laughs> can you guess who number one was? Uh, I don't even know. It just seems like a mean answer, no matter which way you go, but... I never Rupert looked at Grant. any. Yep. Yeah. I never looked at any of the others. First one was just Rupert Grant, mm. the anti-longbottoming candidate. They say that's just mean. Yes, it is. Anyway, uh, Mockingjay Part Two, once again directed by Francis Lawrence, written by Peter Craig, Danny Strong, and Suzanne Collins, had an adaptation credit. Basically, the same as the first Mockingjay. I'm not sure if I, I think they kind of shot most of this all together, right? I believe so. I think yeah. the only hiccup was Philip Seymour Hoffman's passing. Mm-hmm. And then I think there was talk about how they were going to CGI him, him into his last scene. And then people kind of freaked out about that. And then they were like, oh, no, 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 no. We were never planning that. Uh, anyway, I see this was released 20th of November, which was a few days ago, November, uh, 2015. <laughs> You've seen this twice now. I did see it twice. You saw it once. Okay. Admire your dedication. Well, uh, part of the reason I saw it twice is because the projection was a little dim the first time I saw it. Mm. And I, I wanted to see it again in a better theater to kind of confirm some things. Uh, but why don't we jump into it? You want to get to your opening statement? Uh, mine will be very brief. Um, I did enjoy the movie of a sort, I think, because my expectations were so low from the ending of the book. It's a strangely shaped movie, and for parts of it, I felt like I was watching somebody play some of the more boring parts of a video game. Um, but there are some strong performances. It, it, you know, it's there's some spectacle that is definitely intriguing on the big screen. Um, that said, the $160 million budget for this movie made me hate Spectre even more for its $250 million budget. Damn. Because I kind of feel like there's more happening here. Well, there's a lot of location shooting, Inspector. That's where a lot of that money goes. But yeah, that's that's me. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think what you thought of the book is what you're going to think of the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, other than a few minor changes, this is pretty much what happens in the novel. So, you know, do that what you will. They basically uh, swap out some characters. They, I mean, it's minor stuff. I mean, I think the actors, the writers, the filmmakers, they're all doing their best here. And, like, spectacle-wise, it's probably at least the second best Hunger Games movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just really wish they'd taken the story in a different direction. Um, I mean, you can make the argument that everything Katniss does and, like, the big, long act two of this movie is meaningless. It's just, like, a diversion. It has no impact on the overall plot. Right. Um, there are all these big deaths that just get bulldozed right over which is exactly how it is in the book. So it's like, hey, they're they're really, you know, committed to the source material there. Yeah. They, uh, I mean, I don't know. What what a world where goddamn Mockingjay gets a better adaptation than The Lord of the Rings. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I guess I, I enjoyed it for what it was. I feel like the first two 
kind of book slash movies are setting up Katniss as potentially like a in the pantheon of like great characters. And then in this last book, in these last few movies, she just kind of turns into a brat with PTSD who doesn't really ever seem to learn or grow as a person. I almost feel like she regressed. Um, hmm. So, I don't know. I mean, it it's probably the second best Hunger Games movie. Yeah. But, I, you know. I would rate Catching Fire, Mockingjay Part 2, Mockingjay Part 1. Um, other stuff yeah. than Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's it's a bold choice, though. Going back to Susan Collins, though, to you know not have it basically be like the Allies are marching into Berlin. Although oddly enough, they film the capital stuff in Berlin, which makes it even funnier. You know, not have the Allies march into Berlin and they're liberators and everything's a happy day, but to have her like basically cro- like in the middle of two manipulative presidents. Who want to use her? Yeah, I don't know. It's at a certain point, it's just like, oh, that's so bold the way you're subverting the tropes by making a story bad. <laughs> you know, like it's it's like she's too committed to like defying expectations. In my I mean, theory that this is the Marvel universe in the future, she's basically the new Captain America, just about the shield. I mean, it's obviously a much different type of property, but in one of the recent interviews about The Force Awakens, J.J. Abrams was talking about how him and Lawrence Kasdan, their number one goal was to delight. All they wanted to do is delight the audience. That is not the goal of this movie. This no. movie's goal is to just, like, make you feel bad. Well, once again, I sat in the theater watching this movie surrounded by fucking children. <laughs> like, when you say children, what do you mean? What age range? I'm thinking, like, at the at the... I mean, there were some teenagers, which I don't have a problem with, there were like some like straight up eight year old kids, eight year olds, dude. And so, yeah. So at one point when I went to the bathroom afterwards, I could hear a guy talking to his kid and being like, I'm sorry, Ryan, did that like upset you? Ryan, did that movie upset you? Ryan, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, oh, shit, you were like two rows behind me in the fucking Hunger Games movie. <laughs> did anyone laugh at like inappropriate moments in your screen? Uh, the 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 I don't know. I'm, they probably couldn't get over my laugh over uh, one particular scene with snow, which is in my, my one of my top moments. Um, I don't know. I probably laughed a lot during some of these scenes. Oh, you're that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cause some of it is so ridiculous. It's, it's, it's delightful. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's get into our top three moments. Uh, any honorable mentions? Honorable mention is the uh, the camera work in the wedding scene as it keeps spinning around Katniss and Prim as they dance. I Oh, that would go on my complaints. I uh, I found like it was uh, a surprising uh, move. It was effective for me. It was a little a little too long, a I, little out of control, but I did enjoy it. I guess my thought while watching that scene, especially for the second time, was I was like, has there ever been a scene where the camera spins around a character endlessly that I liked? And I think the answer is no. I think typically you see this gesture when characters come together and make out. But this was like overdone. This was like oh, it just yeah, kept yeah. going and going and going. And it's, I don't know, it reminded me a little of in, uh, I believe it's the last Harry Potter movie when they jump off the dragon and get back on land and they're like changing clothes and the camera is like spinning around them endlessly. And it's like, why are you doing this? Just calm down. <laughs> Can you imagine that guy doing a Hunger Games movie and vice versa? I guess. I mean, <laughs> I think we could say Francis Lawrence does a better job than David Yates. I feel like Francis Lawrence, there is an opportunity for him to to be a good director after this. I'm, I, 
I don't know. I'd like to see him take on a big budget movie that has a little bit of a, a soul. Um, I think the easy answer would be like you should have him direct a Bond movie, something like that. Uh, maybe something that doesn't involve him like like shooting like a post apocalyptic city. Yeah, yeah, he could get away from that. Uh, anyway, uh, my honorable mention, and you may have this in your in your uh, rankings, but hey, Mitch, reading Plutarch's letter at the end, I thought that was a nice little tribute to Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's not, but it's yeah, it's a nice tribute. It's a uh, it's a very effective reminder that this actor is gone. Well, it was Hamish in character, but it was also it kind of felt like it was Woody Harrelson mm-hmm. doing a tribute for a fellow actor at the same time, which I liked. Mm-hmm. I half expected to see like the thing from the first Hunger Games, where like you see Philip Seymour Hoffman's like like face in the sky. Oh god! Fire the cannon. <laughs> that would be tacky. <laughs> um. So my number three moment is when Coin interrupts Snow's broadcast and mm-hmm. she quotes him saying "picked," and he silently corrects her to "plucked." Yeah, not silently, but yeah, yeah, not silently. But I, I love that so much. I was like, the audience laughed at that in my theater. That's why you have a Donald Sutherland, you know, not just for the straight up fucking menace, mm-hmm. but because he can he can sell the odd humor to that. All right, my number three. I'm going to guess you have this as well. Maybe not. I, I feel like, have we ever actually had the same thing for one of our favorites, or are they always different? I feel like maybe once. Maybe once. Uh, anyway, number three. Joanna making Katniss feel her arm for goosebumps in the hospital. She's <laughs> like, look, you're giving me goosebumps. She just grabs Katniss's arm and like rubs it against her forearm. Uh, she's just such a fun, vibrant character. It's To me, it's almost criminal that Collins didn't have Joanna Mason come on the mission with the rest of them. Um, doesn't she she doesn't pass the the physical test or whatever yeah yeah we'll we'll get to that later but i mean on the one hand it's like i really would have liked joanna mason on that mission on the other hand suzanne collins probably would have just dreamed up some gory awful death for her so maybe it's better that way Mm -hmm. yeah uh but yeah just making her feel like goosebumps and just the you know katniss realizing you really don't like me do you and she's like yes feel free to take that personally Um, I do have a version of that, uh, where I cheat. Um, I will say, well, my number two, I'll skip that. My number two is the double execution of presidents at the end. This was like a feast of wacky, bombastic spectacle. And Julianne Moore, holy shit, she is dressed like a straight up Bond villain. <laughs> I mean, with the fucking hands in the air and the cape, she has an effect, an affect in this scene that I think even Dr. Evil would call a little over the top mm-hmm. but it's it's amazing and just to have like her going off about that and just like like shouting to the rooftops there and then the way sutherland just looks at katniss um during it i, mm-hmm. I just yeah. I, this, this scene was utterly ridiculous to me but i loved it <laughs> all right my number two is uh when gail and Peta bro down in tigress's cellar uh, I love the Katniss is eavesdropping. I mean, it's such like wish fulfillment for Katniss. It's like, oh, I get to listen to my boyfriend, my backup boyfriend, be nice to each other. Uh, and then at the end, Gail has to ruin it by basically making Katniss out like a selfish mercenary. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. It's that was it was a funny moment. I thought like the audience laughed at that part where she kind of like turns away and like pretends to be asleep so she can listen in. And they're all just like taking turns, at least temporarily being nice to Katniss. Well, here's the thing is that the difference between Peta and Gail is that they're all aware of this love triangle. Peta does not dislike Gail because of it. 
Gale is a little bitch. About Gale everything. is kind of a bitch. Yeah, the audience is howling with laughter when Gale's just like, I don't know, that kiss in the quarter quell looked pretty real to me, man. I mean, it's such that's the, there's such a weird incongruity in this movie because it's like, oh my god, war is so horrible and gritty and pain and suffering. Meanwhile, love triangle. Well, like Peter's like, listen, bro, my brain has been hijacked. I can't trust my every memory. My fears have been weaponized against me, and even I'm gonna say you're a little bit of a dick. Yeah. And Gail's like, that's cool. I got a crossbow. You know how I feel about crossbows. <laughs> Like, that's a totally normal thing to say. Isn't it, though? You know who had a crossbow? Joffrey. Oh, uh, shit. All right, what's your number one? Every gentleman I've seen. Every single one. She. So, I know that she has some kind of role in Batman versus Superman. But imagine... Isn't Jenna she, Malone, like, Barbara Gordon or something? I don't know. She's either Barbara Gordon or she's, like, secretly Carrie Kelly or something. But, like, imagine Jenna Malone as, like, the Joker. Imagine her as Harley Quinn. Imagine her as just anything. Imagine her yeah. as Batman. Oh, <laughs> uh, she's so great. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I was like, I don't know. There's like, I got a thrill just like seeing like how much time has passed because her hair has grown out a little bit at the very end. Mm-hmm. Every uh, her cackling of delight about like putting like a fresh batch of kids in the Hunger Games is like revenge. I don't know. It's just. Uh, Do you think I, she was like? So you need me to shave my head for two scenes? Yeah. She's like, I'll do it. Yeah. It's not even the first time I've shaved my head in my career. All right. Well, my, my number one uh, is almost at the very end of the movie when Katniss is sitting next to Peta in their doorway watching the rain. She just looks over and gives him this smile that I feel like there's more romance in that one smile than in like the rest of the series combined. Mm-hmm. Um I mean that that was a smile. I mean it was that was some bedroom eyes smiling, but it was also you know it was pure affection. I thought it was like finally this actually feels like a romance and not pretend. You know. Mm-hmm. I mean sometimes I don't know how the saying goes, but you gotta set aside the uh, life you had planned on for the life you're stuck with. Sure. I don't know. I mean, when I was debating going to see the movie the second time, that was the thing I wanted to see most again, just because I, it caught me by surprise the first time because it was like, wow, that was really good acting there. Just that little smile she gives him. Hmm. So, complaints? Um, I, it, it all goes back to the original story. I, I, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I feel like the the movie did a lot better job with this, this portion of the book than I thought was possible. Um, there is, like I said, some interesting camera. There's a kind of a, it reminded me of like, a, what is the old movie? Clue. A lot of like, let's follow Katniss in two scenes and stuff, hmm. um, which I thought was interesting. Low lights. I don't know. Yeah. My number three complaint is that the movie is just too goddamn dark. Like literally it's too dim. Um, I went and saw it a second time because the, the first theater I started at, it seemed really dim and I was like, maybe it's just a projector. Saw it again and it was brighter, but it was brighter because you tell like you could tell that they just like you know turned up the brightness on their projector. Like you could you could see where the the blacks were like overexposed. Like it's this def- movie is it's underlit. I mean, there's no other way around it. I don't know why they shot it that way. It's it's like the trend now or something. I mean, some of those scenes in the sewer were just incomprehensible. Hmm. It's just like what am I looking at? Is it just mud? 
I think I think too much of it is though is that was the intention. Um, oh, it was the intention. I just don't think it looks good. No, no. Um, yeah, it was this kind of pseudo Half Blood Prince idea yeah. going into it. Um, yeah, it just uh, it just felt I don't know like weirdly shaped. You have like the the stuff before. You have their like march into the capital. This weird wartime drama mm-hmm. like it's war as hell drama and then at least they they gave time to the whole you know after the war is over or what have you i, I thought i was impressed at least they let that breathe you know as weird yeah. as all that is um kind of interesting topical i felt like watching basically the capital refugees marching towards snow's mansion <laughs> uh. yeah that was like there was a couple weirdly topical moments there with the refugees and the, the kind of the false flag type mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, conspiracy nonsense. Um, another just issue I had the kiss between Katniss and PETA when they're escaping from the sewers, mm-hmm. I thought it just came off as really cheesy. Yeah. Uh, it was supposed to be like a big moment. I mean, like the audience just kind of laughed at it, you know, cause it's just like, I don't know. It just, it didn't seem like there was any passion there. Um, like it, it was like this is this big moment we're building towards because they haven't kissed in who knows how long, and then they do, and it was just like perfunctory and like awkward, and it just felt like wedged into the middle of an action scene. Yeah, it did. There was a little too much surprise on Peta's face, like not like happy surprise too, just genuine wonder. I don't know. It, well, I feel like it, to pull that off, you need to go even bigger. Just make it crazy and grand and like just totally commit to it, you know? Full on like making out while like Katniss is like looking over at Peter's shoulder like shooting things with a machine gun or something. Like just go there all the way. Kissing with tongue while like Peter's leg like lifts up on the back? Yes. Um, and then just my last issue Trim's death, I think, is just poor storytelling. It's know. so abrupt. We haven't seen that character in an hour and a half. Suddenly, she's somewhere. She It seems impossible for her to be there. It's like, this character shouldn't be in this location. And then five seconds later, she's kind of like engulfed in an explosion. Within two minutes, it's hard to even remember she was dead. Like, there's just so little emotional impact to it because it, it happened so quickly. We hadn't got used to the idea of her even being there. It just seemed like surreal and... I mean, it's the same way in the book. Like, it's exactly the same way where it's like, you're just like, what the fuck was that? That was random and out of nowhere. Uh, I think it's just bad writing. Um, and it, I kind of wonder, was this something Collins wanted to do from the start and she just didn't know how to get there? Like, it makes no logical storytelling sense that the idea that the Capitol, oh, not the Capitol, that District 13 and Coin would stage some sort of false flag operation to make the Capitol look even worse than they already were. Like, there's just no reason for it. Like, why would Prim even be there? Um, it it just seems like they're, like, rubbing your face in it. Like, ooh, look at that. We we're so brave. We killed off a character we didn't think we would. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like that's just one of the worst storytelling decisions in, like, a, a book or movie series I can remember in a long time. In part one, when she mentions the Katniss that they're training her to do the medical stuff, I just kept thinking, like, you might as well add in like an addendum that like uh, this will be important one year from now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you see part two. Notice how they keep lingering on this M badge on my forearm. That's going to be important later. Yeah. Which, you know, I'm at least glad that they substitute out the one chick and put Prim into the scene with uh, Peter earlier in the movie just because 
you have to be reminded of this character somewhat if you're going to kill her like an hour and a half later. I mean, they tried, but I still think it's just bad storytelling. Um, did you have any other complaints? No, not really. Okay. Well, yeah, source material. Um, that that scene that you talked about, Prim is the one who goes and talks to Peta and said, in the book, there's another character named Deli Cartwright. Mm-hmm. He's just like some other District 12 girl who goes to talk to Peta. And I mean, it, I guess it makes sense not to use that character just because you might as well use, you know, there's already too many characters. So mm-hmm. any excuse you can have to use uh, one that already exists is good. They did kind of leave out, like, Prim comes up with an idea for new treatment for PETA, basically, like, using Tracker Jacker Venom to hijack him back. Mm-hmm. Um, they they just kind of cut that out. Well, like, there's a whole thing where he, he basically gets out of quarantine earlier, and, like, doesn't he, like, bake the cake for Finnick's wedding? Yeah, like, yeah, as part something? of his therapy, he decorates the wedding cake, you know, he does his therapeutic frosting. Um, <laughs> so they, they cut that out. Uh, I mean, a lot of the stuff with PETA, like to me in the movie, it seemed like he recovered very fast. He went from being chained down in a hospital bed to suddenly like, here he is. He's on the mission with you. Yeah. I think part of that is because they cut out the whole sequence where Katniss and Joanna Mason go through basic training. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then eventually PETA starts going through the training, too. And I, I can see why they cut that just because they want to move the plot along. But it, it definitely makes it seem like in the book, you got a little bit more of PETA slowly recovering as opposed to like he's chained to a bed. Then suddenly he's, you know, with with them on the mission. The reveal that like PETA's the one that they wanted to say that's earlier in the book. The yeah. Book. Yeah. You knew that all, all the way in the book. OK. Also, the, the security district 13, like her sneaking onto that shuttle is <laughs> far too easy. Um yeah, the in the book, the you know, Candace Morn's prim back in twelve this was her team with uh Greasy. Um I Greasy think the movie yeah. the group the movie's smart enough to know it'd be confusing to introduce a character named Greasy that late in the game. So Well, I, I think thought, you'd you'd seen that character before in the books, but yeah, not in the movies. Um yeah, but you know, so it's it's probably better to have her like have a loud, cathartic screaming and mourning session with Buttercup the Cat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, the in the the movie, the pods are like frustratingly vague in this dystopian action movie of urban desolation. They're I mean, they're just, basically they're just as frustratingly vague in the book too. Yeah, they're just like basically super high tech IEDs. They're like weird booby traps. Um, I mean, I want to talk about that in our general discussion, just the capital's defensive plan, but um, a little more book change type stuff. Uh, obviously, there's no scenes with snow in the Capitol in the book, like him poisoning that dude for no real reason. <laughs> you would think like none of them would take a sip after the, you know, hearing that revelation. Yeah. I just can't believe none of those are just like, fuck this guy. Right. Or roll a grenade under your tent. Well, like a lot of this war, I'm just thinking like, and this is when you get fragged. Mm-hmm. And this is mm-hmm. when you would get fragged. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of time. Um, Commander Paler has a little more to do, um, like that speech that she gets to make when uh, Katniss comes to the front lines. Mm. And it makes sense because they, they needed to just set up her character a little more because she becomes new president. Just got to beef her up a little. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the League sisters dies from shrapnel to the head early in their like pod clearing mission. Isn't there like one of the characters like Katniss has to watch their skin melt off? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
the the kind of pod clearing goes on for longer. It's not just like they go out one day and it all goes down. It's like they've been doing it for you know a week or two. Sadly, I read the book, and it wasn't until I was watching the movie that I was like, "Oh yeah, four five one Ray Bradbury reference." Oh yeah, deep. <laughs> what? It's so dumb. Like in general, it's just like I didn't pick it up at all in the book. Probably because there's a lot else. I, I noticed it. It was just like whatever. Like, but yeah. referencing the number four fifty one does not automatically give you some sort of credit. Well, it's not like they're burning books or anything. Yeah. Um, another book thing, when they break into one of the houses in the Capitol, there's a civilian there and Katniss just like, like reacts and shoots her in the heart, kills her. I think they filmed that. Uh, so maybe it's like a deleted scene or something, but it wasn't in the movie. Mm. I mean, it's another example of the movie kind of airbrushing Katniss a little to like, she, nothing she does is ever her fault. Kind of, you know, it's like. She only I, kills people in reaction. She's not she's not just straight up murdering people. I was a little frustrated to hear her, I believe, say again, I never wanted any of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was like, I don't know. Did anyone think that you did? It's not like Callus has a, has a sterling support system, though. Not really, no. Um, also in the book, after she kills Coin. She's like imprisoned for months and there's like a trial in absentee and she gets off on the insanity defense. Mm-hmm. Like Hamish just basically comes in and tells her this after she's been chilling for months and months. Uh, I, th- I think it works better in the movie. They just cut to the chase and be like, you'll be pardoned later. Like, yeah, the idea of filming her like waiting around for months and then Hamish coming in and being like, we had a trial. You got off on an insanity plea. Well, yeah, I think it works better to have her. I mean, she's basically in isolation, you know, of the Elba that is her McMansion in a destroyed District 12. You don't need to have the trial or any of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the book is much more gory and violent. Like, obviously, they wanted a PG-13 rating, but at times it's a little absurd. Yeah, the, the guy who runs through that beam of light and, like, turns into, like, just, like, like shiny metal or what you know like cubes little yeah. pieces that's the guy who's like his skin melts off he gets like trapped in a ray of light and his skin just melts off his bones and uh, boggs gets his legs blown off and like somehow they don't show you that they very like very carefully hint at it i think yeah you don't see any blood at all um i mean that was just so weird about the book the book is like hyper violent and it's like going out of its way to be like how can i shock you next it's, I don't know, it's a little too, like, locked into the continuing Hunger Games. It's just like, let's blow up a bunch of children. Yeah. Are you not, a, a, you know, repulsed by this? Well, it's, and it's interesting, too, because for the most part, other than people like Katniss, Peta, and Gail, everyone else, and, and the, the film crew, everyone else is, like, adult soldiers, though. Mm-hmm. You know, they presumably have had some kind of training. Yeah, and then a bunch of teenagers. Yeah. Um, and then one last book thing. Katniss kind of mentions that PETA had to beg her to have kids even after they got together. Like, it, it took years, but she finally agreed to it. And the the reason for that is because she was always scared that if she had kids, they'd go into the Hunger Games. Hmm. So even even though, you know, they defeat the cap at the end, she's still very trepidatious about it. I've seen that the... What it feels like to me, and I could be mistaken, the primarily female reaction to the very end is is issues of Katniss wearing a dress. Uh, 
whatever. I don't know. Which I don't. I, it's not something I can comment on. I just I thought it was interesting. I mean, I, I you could read a lot into that, or you could not. You know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I thought it was brave that they recast Katniss in the last scene with Maggie Gyllenhaal myself, but <laughs> am I wrong, or does she totally look like Maggie Gyllenhaal in the last scene? She even I'm gonna, sounded like her. I'm going to refrain from saying anything for fear mm-hmm. of saying something ultra negative about Maggie Gyllenhaal. <laughs> she even sounded like her. Like there's a specific shot, like at a low angle, where it's something about the framing and her voice. It was like. If you squint your eyes, you could really talk yourself into thinking that that was something else. <laughs> I feel like there needs to be more movie series where they recast the female lead of Maggie <laughs> Jump yeah. Well, that just reminds me of that scene in The Dark Knight Rises when uh, you see Bruce Wayne's like like table with like the photos mm-hmm. of Rachel. And it really needed to be both Katie Holmes and Maggie Gyllenhaal. That would have been hilarious. Yeah, yeah. I wish yeah. they'd done that. <laughs> well, like and it goes back to even before Maggie Gyllenhaal, though, because do you remember there was the whole thing when Kirsten Dunst was dating Jake Gyllenhaal, and like Tobey Maguire supposedly hurt his back after the first Spider-Man movie and wanted yeah. more money, mm-hmm. and it was like we will cast Jake Gyllenhaal as Peter Parker like that. I would have not had a problem with that. I want to say that maybe back then Jake Gyllenhaal would have possibly gotten Peter Parker a little better than Tobey Maguire did, like mumblecore Peter Parker. Here's the thing about Tobey Maguire. I don't like him. Yeah. Anyway. Here's the thing about Tobey Maguire. I'm surprised he didn't play... Uh, what's his name? The fucking... Kita? Seneca. Oh. Yeah, that would have been even weirder. But like, he wouldn't even need a beard. He could just be the weird, dark Peter Parker from Spider-Man 3. Like, oh, just like, thrusting his hips. There's no candy need for more of that ever. All right, let's uh, let's move on to our general discussion. I have decided to stop breathing. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, issue number one of our general discussion: one hundred percent, Hamish and Effie fucked. One hundred twenty-five percent, they fucked at some point. But I think we we get the implication that maybe there's an actual romance here. It wasn't just a hookup. Yeah. I mean, it's canon now. Yeah, yeah. We'll I mean, switch this... at the end. This is just a series full of like fatalistic romances. I I, I kind of wonder if that scene where they he like you know kisses her on the cheek and then gives her a real kiss was that just because it was obvious that they had like kind of like uh, screen chemistry together? Yeah. Well, also yeah, Elizabeth Banks, you got to give her some kind of send off since mm-hmm. you brought her into part one. Yeah. Um. So should this movie have started somewhere else from the book? Such as because. It, it's kind of a weird opening where it's like we get this little like mini, you know, quick little interlude to District 2 and then she just gets shot again and, and like ends up in the infirmary again. Mm-hmm. It feels like a false start almost. Yeah. Well, th- I think both Mockingjay Part 1 and Part 2 have these weird starts. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it sure seems like in Mockingjay the book, she like, it's like something happens and she's back in the hospital again like a lot. Mm-hmm. Like she's having a breakdown or she got injured. Like it's just like she's constantly like, you know, she blacks out. And now she's back in the uh, infirmary again. You're talking and all I'm picturing in my head is Jenna Malone hooking herself up to Katniss's uh, pain meds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about the Capitol's completely insane defense plan. Why didn't anyone murder Snow when he suggested that? Well, it's like 
capital citizens, you're going to be like bombarded on. You're going to be like holed up in your fancy apartments. But don't worry, we have some really good TV for you. If the game makers, again, if the game makers are that effective at shit, why are you losing this war? Well, it's like we could use our troops and have a conventional military defense, or we could evacuate the troops out of there and set a bunch of booby traps and then right. film it. Right. People are like, uh, can we just murder this guy now? Because yeah. uh, he's clearly insane. He's obsessed with this stupid TV show while we're getting invaded. Yeah. I mean, for a film set in the dark future version of America, I was amazed at how much the Capitol looked exactly like the neoclassical Berlin architecture where they filmed it. I mean, you kind of wonder why they didn't just like, I don't know, wall off the city and, you know, just have their air defenses and be like, fine, you know, we'll leave you guys alone. But, you know, stay out of our territory. I don't know. Like they, they had no real defense plan. It was just like, we're going down with the ship, basically. Well, if you have the walls that can trap people in like a city square and fill it with like oil, mm-hmm. why doesn't the whole city have those walls? Yeah, you have you have fancy like super high tech subway systems. You're gonna make your refugees march possibly miles and miles to freedom, to sanctuary in a mansion. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We'll just let the enemy in. We have all these booby traps for them. I mean, I'm watching. I'm watching the the whole refugee march thing, and I'm watching the thing where Katniss is freaking out because a little girl might recognize her, mm-hmm. which was effective. Um, and the whole time, I'm thinking like a potential sequel or prequel. Wow, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, it's. I had that at the end. We'll, we'll talk about that at the end. Um, one thing I th- maybe they were going for this, maybe they weren't. I feel like at least they had an opportunity to build this up a little more. The Nightlock pill. And the pearl both kind of oper- uh, occupy in a similar like symbolic space. Mm-hmm. It's like this thing, you know, this tiny little thing that Katniss holds in her hand. I feel like maybe they could have done a little more there with that. Yeah, I think they could have done a lot more with that. Like um... maybe just make the pill like uh, circular, you know, round instead of oval. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't it have been interesting to have a scene where finally Peter's just like, "I need to take the pill." And he realizes that the pill he's about to swallow from Katniss is the pearl. Is the pearl? Yeah. Well, and then that's what pill, like, brings him back into the world. We got to talk about Gale for a second, who turned into a real asshole in this movie, if it was possible. Uh, dude is Johnny on the spot when Peter wants a Nightlock pill. Yeah. He's just like, you got to give me a pill, and he's like, here you go. Yeah. Katniss is like, thanks. He's like, thanks, I've dude. brought extras just to mm-hmm. give to you. Oh, what's funny is that you asked me what I thought of Boggs last time, and it's like I liked him so much more in this one. Yeah, he's much more clearly on Katniss's side. Yeah. Um, I also, I always like Ensign Rowe. Whenever she shows up in, in anything, I like her, even when she plays a bad guy. My notes say, uh, on along in a timeline, Michelle Forbes will show up in every franchise. I think we've we've put out the, <laughs> that truism before, and it holds. Mm-hmm. It holds so, hard. Sooner or later, Michelle Forbes is going to show up. You can count on it. She's and her loyalties are always at least somewhat questionable. I would think Fantastic Beasts too should definitely feature an appearance by Michelle Forbes. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she needs to get in one of the Star Wars movies. Oh yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember how much Commander Lime was in the book because we talked about before we recorded last time that. That Lily Rabe was credited in the previous film because she filmed some scenes and then was replaced with Gwendolyn mm-hmm. Christie. Um, 
And she got credit for the first one, but it's like there are no Commander Lime scenes in part one because presumably they were recasting and were cutting. But like, what more is she doing? I completely forgot about this from, character. From what I recall the book, I mean, she's maybe in it a little bit more in the District 2 stuff, but not a ton. I mean, it's nice to see Gwendolyn Christie and all, but yeah. she didn't have a whole lot to do. Captain like, Phasma. wear this weird coat. Yeah. Um, and, you know, try to speak with an American accent. <laughs> Although when she said military, it definitely sounded British. Military. Uh, Kingslayer. Uh, yeah, Gail somehow becomes an even bigger dickhole. Well, when he's Katniss is giving him shit rightfully about the like bombs he's designing with uh, BT there. Yeah. And he just throws it he throws Peta's hijacking back in her face yeah. when she when she questions it, you know. She's like, "Oh, we just kill anyone now." And he's just like, "Oh, Katniss or the Capitol didn't have rules when they hijacked Peta, which th- th- we get no reaction from Katniss at the end of that scene. It just cuts to a new scene. In the book, her attitude is basically like, well, fuck you, too. You know, like, yeah. thanks for throwing, like, my biggest weakness against me there. That's all Asshole. he does. Yeah. That is Gail's superpower, that he has a shitty answer for everything. Mm-hmm. It uh, made me like Aquaman a lot more in this movie. Aquaman? Yeah, Finnick. Oh, I know Finnick. that, like, somebody had tweeted us that we uh, we don't give, like, Finnick enough credit. You're right. <laughs> I don't think the books gave Finnick enough credit. He was really cool and uh, catching fire, and then he spent the first half of Mockingjay crying. Well, I think the the problem is that he's, to me, from what I remember from the book and a little bit from the movie, he's kind of introduced at first to be like, uh, like maybe he's going to be this mysterious, like untrustworthy romantic mm-hmm. foil Katniss. Yeah. And it's like he has no entry point to the, the already misshapen like love triangle as it is. Mm-hmm. Well, and then the way he dies in the books is even less ceremonious than in the movie. It's just like randomly like, oh, there's Finnick. He's dead. <laughs> and you're just like, seriously? And like, you just, you, you're moving on. And I feel like the the author was doing a thing where it's like, this is first person from Katniss's perspective. And she's in the middle of this crazy, you know, tense, you know, on the run situation. She doesn't have time to think and dwell on Finnick. Mm-hmm. And which is why you don't get any kind of reaction to Finnick dying, but it's like you're telling a story here. Come on, yeah, you just killed off a major character and it, like it was nothing. I like to think that Coin, the pragmatist, didn't allow him to join Unit Four Five One until he had effectively impregnated Annie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's monitoring that situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Coin just transformed into a complete supervillain. <laughs> it's kind of amazing. I mean, I just kept looking at her high heels that she was wearing at the end. Mm-hmm. I mean, those were some disco heels. Yeah. I was just waiting for her to be like, my first act as president, I'm reopening Studio 54. <laughs> on the, the speech that she's giving is, as so, a Mernasium, yeah. is so on the nose. She's like, Katniss, with that arrow, I Pure want heart. you to shoot it at the person you feel is most responsible for your, for your sister's death. Even if it's not who we might think it would be, make sure you fire that arrow at the true enemy who oh, might be saying? standing in your line of sight. Like, it's just like over and over. Well, doesn't she say pure of heart at one point? Yeah. Like, it's if you needed more spelled out where to aim that arrow. Mm-hmm. But oh my God, just the arms. I wanted that whole subplot about her stylist, like her secret stylist who've been planning this makeover 
Well, it's like, yeah, nothing but jumpsuits from Coin until like suddenly she's got like this insane like sci-fi get up at the end there. This is what I have to. She even got a haircut. Yeah, this is what I have to assume the hardcore like nut job conservatives are afraid of with Hillary. (laughs) And Hillary's going to show up in that outfit. I'd vote for that. I'd vote for that like seven times. (laughs) Unless you have like Jenna Malone was her running mate. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if she's old enough, but sure. Uh, yeah, and then the I did like the scene where Katniss is talking to Snow in his greenhouse. Yeah, and this whole you know I thought we promised we wouldn't lie to each other. He's just so like it's like they do a weird thing where like even though Snow is like this horrible person, you kind of like him just because he mm-hmm. he's being played so warmly. Mm-hmm. Even when he's like poisoning dudes, it's like well at least you're fun. Yeah, exactly. you seem to be having a good time watching your government go down in flames. Well, I think that's the thing. That's the thing you need to have in movies or TV shows. There's a reason why, like, for example, the reason why people like Don Draper, one of the main reasons people like Don Draper is that, sure, he's a horrible guy at times, but he's very good at his job. He's, he's mm-hmm. very talented. So it draws you to him amongst many other things. Or, like in Snow here, he's obviously an evil son of a bitch. He straight up poisons a dude in a room full of people. Mm-hmm. But he seems to be having such a good time, and it's infectious. Yeah, even when he's caught at the end, he's just like, oh, I'm real sorry about your sister there. I wouldn't have done that. Not without reason. Uh, although, <laughs> Unless there's a camera there. I don't know if you noticed it. In that scene, Katniss has a ton of makeup on. I found it kind of distracting. Yeah. Uh, she had, It's like, are you headed out on a date after this or something? She's got this kind of like bright pink lipstick on. Uh, obvious eyeshadow. And I was thinking like maybe this is because she's like headed to the execution. But she gets remade for that later. Right. With like kind of different style makeup, so I, I don't know. It, it seems maybe just that. Effie like insisted on making her up to go to the mansion or something, but it was a yeah, little distracting. Yeah, stylists are like attacking her, you know, with makeovers every every day. Maybe, or maybe she was taking her Maggie Gyllenhaal pills at that point. Maybe, maybe. Uh, the scene with Boggs explaining their new mission, like at the when he walks in, like. He's like, here's a new mission. This is what pods are. This is this like hollow thing. Like, there's so much exposition in that scene. Like, I hope he didn't take a leak during that part. Or he missed like the entire plot of the movie. But it's like 45 minutes into the movie, though. Yeah, so, but it's, it's like, like now here's five minutes of like dense exposition about like setting up the story. It just, but it seemed like a weird point to give you the rules for like well, the that's next why hour. It almost made me think like that should have just been like where the movie starts was like yeah. Katniss on her her new mission. Just I mean, because I it, like, it don't, like the first part felt like a false start. It was like Katniss is the Mockingjay. No, she got shot. She's back in the hospital. Right. I like the the bit with her and the guy, the gun to her throat. I thought it was it it worked. Um, but yeah, there's just too much. I can't remember. There was another. <laughs> I like the guy just dropping the gun because he's like, oh my god, you're never gonna shut up. Yeah. There was like another weird line that led into the uh, the title card. I can't remember what it was. Oh. That's like it's thing. not PETA or something like that. Something. I just, yeah. I wanted Finnick to be back and just be like, I wish you were dead. I wish we were all dead again. <laughs> okay. Okay. Part two. <sighs> um, I feel like, I feel like Finnick should have had like a cigar. He was munching on the entire like capital sequence. I think that Katniss should have been wearing her Mockingjay outfit the whole time. You would have thought, I mean, they're shooting. I mean, you have the, they're shooting the propos. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I noticed that it's at the scene when she's been escorted into like confinement after she kills Coin. They took like her like kind of like body armor, like plating off mm-hmm. the costume. 
but like just that regular outfit i feel like it just it it's a good look it's like that's a nice like Sky, luke skywalker jumpsuit that she's wearing there that cuts a much better figure than like the kind of like you know weird military garb they're all wearing like you'd think they would have rather put her in that but right yeah that that was that room that they, where they put her to wait that was the one that really reminded me architecturally of the ending of dark knight rises oh yeah i just kept picturing like bane walking in and being like you'll just have to imagine the fire for you yeah <laughs> Oh, one thing I want to talk about. The bit where Pollux is crawling through the tunnel opening when they're down in the sewer. Mm-hmm. Didn't it just totally seem like 100% this dude is about to just get shredded by something? What I thought is that in the, the longer version of this movie, where this is just the whole movie right here, like you don't have the beginning or the ending. Mm-hmm. How great is it to have the mute guy who's like your your scout wander off into the dark and he just never comes back? <laughs> and you just have to, like later on, you have someone be like, he was probably screaming in agony for hours. Yeah. Well, it's like first he's climbing through that like narrow opening with like the carapace still on his back. And you're like, oh, he's going to get stuck and attacked. And he makes mm-hmm. it through. And it's all shot in these like classic horror movie medium shots where you're just expecting any moment something to jump out at him. And it's like, oh, he's about to get attacked. And then, oh, he just walked off screen. Like we're just going to hear like, a, a scream or see a blood splatter. And no, he comes back and like the tension is released and then like the camera holds it and you're like, now he's totally going to die, right? Nope. The whole time. I mean, I knew like in the book he doesn't die, but still I was like, I was pretty sure they're going to kill him off just in the way they shot that. It was a nice fake out. I think they should have killed somebody like him earlier just to kind of mess with you a little bit, like make you think. I mean, like different from the book. Yeah, yeah. I can Um, see that, yeah. Let you know that nobody's safe. Yeah. Not that any of these fucking assholes matter. <laughs> yeah. And then poor Michelle Forbes. Yeah. I was glad to see her. I mean, she wasn't too annoying. I mean, I always like Michelle Forbes. Like mm-hmm. when she showed a Battlestar Galactica at the, at the end, I was like, yeah, now I'm ready for you to be shot. Mm-hmm. Um, also, wait, what a waste of Natalie Dormer. Also, the, the camera guys, they don't have the helmets anymore in this. Yeah. Like, they just, like, like, like they're using the actual handheld hand cameras. I mean, I don't know if I could call it a waste of Natalie Dormer because I, I liked every moment she was on screen. Yeah, um, but I mean, let her act a little bit. What did you think of Tigress? That was a look. If I were making this movie, I may have cut the appearance of that a little because I mean, the audience I was with is just like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Like, I mean, this is like late in the movie, you know, like half hour to go or something. And suddenly like this weird tiger person shows up. Mm-hmm. It seemed a little much. Oh, I was just thinking to myself. Like, the audience is just laughing at this. Snow is into some kinky shit. Well, it makes me think that Snow wanted her to look that way. When I think that's in the book, it's like, no, she's just like a crazy stylist who made herself look like that. And then, like, Snow didn't want to see her anymore. Oh. Yeah, the movie implies that he made her up in that appearance. Yeah, yeah, it's not like that in the book. (laughs) It's like, for your punishment. Mind you, I poison people like it's going out of style. Mm -hmm. But your punishment. Is that you're going to be a weird, kinky tiger person. It just seemed like a weird opportunity to introduce someone that outlandish looking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because you don't, other than like the, the, the garish background scenes in like the first two movies, mm-hmm. you don't really get a sense of how outlandish like the, the capital and excess of the capital style was in these other. Two. Well, some of the characters had like dyed skin. Yeah. in the books that they didn't really do so that i mean showing a little more of that might have helped a little i mean like uh they kind of forced the flickerman 
like cameo into this one, right? Like he's not. Yeah, in really wedge it in. But I, I feel like that confirms my theory that Caesar Slickerman is evil. Oh, he's definitely evil. But I'm just saying, Stan Hughes is a great actor. I mean, he's not just following orders there. He's like basically like Goebbels, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Goebbels mess mixed with like Dick Clark and Johnny Carson. Yeah. Uh, at the end, seems like Katniss goes back to hunting pretty easily. Yeah. Like after two movies of her like not being able to hunt properly, uh, you know, when she's not in the games, now it's like, oh, I'll just go kill a bird. Right. So this is what I want to know. Hmm. They kill Coin at the end. Mm-hmm. What happens to District 13 and their nukes? Are they just like, no, that was cool. You killed our leader. And then the rest of the districts voted on a new president. Like, what happens to District 13? Yeah, you have to wonder. Well, also, are they just like, fine, we'll go back to being an independent nation? What is the power structure? Like, is there like we asked about, is there a vice president to Snow? Mm -hmm. Is there a vice president to Coin? Was Coin even elected? Yeah. uh, How long was she president for? Was it a did she inherit it? Yeah. I mean, Lots did Boggs, the security chief at District 13, did he volunteer for 451? Was he assigned to this? It seems like it's a waste of his station, his abilities, mm. I would think. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think they mentioned that Jackson was lieutenant. Right. Michelle Forbes, but other than that, didn't catch any ranks. Um, also, what became of Snow's granddaughter? Yeah, really? I feel like that was a loose thread. Was, was she specifically mentioned in the book as potentially going into the Hunger Games, the new Hunger Games? I think there is a line like from Joanna Mason about that in the book. Yeah, mm. could be wrong, but I believe there is. But I mean, she, you don't obviously like see her like in the like cutaways to snow in the books and whatnot. But it, like the belief, it is mentioned that he has a granddaughter. I'm I'm kind of surprised the movie didn't like shoehorn in a scene where like she asked for Katniss's autograph at some point. Mm-hmm. Maybe not in this movie, but in one of the movies. Or, you know, she were in a scene with her getting, like, you know, limbs blown off by those bombs at the end, because that's the kind of movie this is. <laughs> Don't you feel bad? And then War a, is a, hell. A gleefully smiling Donald Sutherland picks up one of those limbs and starts eating it like it's a chicken bone. Mm-hmm. It does look like Colonel Sanders. <laughs> he's like, uh, he's like, he looks like Mountain Man Count Dooku. A little, yeah, a little. So, would you say this movie kind of broke the fourth movie curse? Because there's a there's a thing where the fourth movie in a franchise is usually kind of terrible. Um, think of like Lethal Weapon Four, uh, The Phantom Menace, Jurassic World. Um, usually, usually by the time they do a fourth movie, it's like they're trying to stretch the trilogy out too far. I never saw the fourth, like Pirates of the Caribbean. It was bad. What about the voyage home, yo? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that that one doesn't that one escapes it, I'd say. And I I, t- I can tell you as a, as a former Star Trek nerd, I can tell you that the original intentions of that movie were a lot worse. They wanted to shoehorn Eddie Murphy in. I could see that. Um, but yeah, I mean, usually the fourth movie is like it was supposed to be a trilogy, but they like they had to go for one more, and so they're you know they're trying a little too hard, stretching material too thin. I think. This one was definitely better than at least two of the other movies. I just, I, I feel like, uh, like Goblet of Fire. <laughs> I don't know. That's, a, I would like to hear people like weighing this movie against Goblet of Fire. I, oh, come on. Goblet of Fire is way worse. I think so, but you still have like 
Hermione. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but like But that did, was like Hermione in full on just like exposition mode. Did the people who make the insurgent movies or the divergent movies, are they just like, you know what? We need to try to match. We can't we can't do a Harry Potter thing, obviously. We need to try to match the Hunger Games success. We need to put in some Will McAvoy. That trailer for was it um Allegiant? I think it's Allegiant. Put me to sleep. So is Allegiant the title of the third one, or is that the made-up title? Ascendant, I think, is the made-up title. By the way, I'm so furious that I went to see this goddamn movie twice, and neither time did they show the Force Awakens trailer. I just, I don't understand. What are they showing that trailer in front of, if not the Hunger Games? Didn't we have, didn't, like, right before Spectre started, you leaned over and you were like, I'm pretty sure they're going to show the Star Wars trailer here. And then they didn't. Yeah. So I still haven't seen that goddamn trailer in theater. It's really annoying. Like, what are they showing it in front of? I'd really like to know. Probably, like, the night before. <laughs> yeah. Or, like, something weird, like Spotlight. Oh, so I want to talk a little about the box office. But first, the Hunger Games prequel idea that Francis Lawrence had. Ugh. Is that not, like, I... the worst idea ever? So who are who are your, your known, generally good actors? You know, like, known properties. Not, like, stars, but your known... Like generally good like character actors who are still like upset at their agent because they haven't found their way into a Harry Potter, a Hunger Games, or a Divergent movie. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like even I, I don't Kim, think actors are beating down the door to get into a Divergent movie. Personally, no. But I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, it seems like it's a simple like box office grab. It's a, it's a the lead check. dude's name is Four. I think this was probably projected to be a success. They're seemingly going to make all of those movies, so... Divergent? I mean, like... Those movies I'm, do okay. They're not doing great. I'm sure that's, like, part of why Lily Tomlin wanted to be in the fucking Maze Runner movie. Like, who yeah. are these actors who are left? I don't and, like, know. The and ones with respect. And where does B.D. Wong fit into all this? Well, he was in Jurassic World. And he'll be back as, like, the villain. Well, I mean, like, you're, like, your 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 teen, like, YA adaption blockbuster movies i feel like if you can you get like a marvel movie and like if if that's drying up then you got to go like you know dc and then you start looking at like the ya stuff although it it really seems like other than the hunger games like i i'm just not sensing a lot of like excitement for like the divergent movies or like that fifth wave movie or any of these other like terrible ya movies they're making is that the one of chloe moretz yeah or like the maze runner movies i mean those movies are all pretty terrible and pretty forgettable i mean if anything they're hurting the hunger games just by existing because it, it makes the whole concept seem really watered down oh well yeah generic. the first one of, of the thing is i mean remember like when scream came out and then you had like uh i know what you did last summer i know what you did last summer no what was the fucking one um, urban legend urban legend yeah yeah blonde pacey just, you're just like well it was blonde pacey part two this was after the dynamo genius that is cruel intentions that's true yeah although i i'm not sure i think he might have been blonde for urban legend i could be wrong okay and he just found a, a well while you're blonde mm-hmm. we have a two-scene part for you then he had to get okay. his tips frosted as you do mm-hmm. would chloe moretz have made more sense for the casting of, of katniss in the first hunger games movie like age appropriate uh, i don't see it no i i she seems too small, I guess. Okay. I don't know. As I was like barely waking up this morning, 
for some reason my mind was wandering to like the casting for the 80s or 90s versions of the hunger games uh trilogies mm. and i uh i kept thinking for the 80s version it would be the uh principal from ferris bueller as who as snow oh as the child molesting principal yeah no thanks um i don't know nev campbell as katniss I definitely approve that more than like Jennifer Love Hewitt. Oh, she couldn't be Katniss. Hey, Capital, what are you waiting for? Uh, Who would Scott Wolf play? Would he be Peta and uh, Matthew Fox would be Gale? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Uh, But the the Hunger Games prequel that Francis Lawrence wants to do, he wants it to be like, how did the Hunger Games start? Like, what was the first? What was the original battle? Like, the, what a terrible fucking idea for a movie. Like, nobody. That's an idea that, like, the reason you don't explore that is because, like, it would be really boring. And, like, if, there, if ever there's a thing that doesn't need to be explained, it's, like, how the Hunger Games started. Like, it, it wouldn't even hold up to scrutiny, first of all. No. Um, I mean, you would think at the very least, if they're going to make a terrible prequel, they'd do, like, Hamish's Hunger Games or something like that. Um, prequels bad idea in general especially a bad idea to show how the hunger games began how how incredibly awful would that movie be i think you'd be smarter to do something where it's like uh katniss's daughter katniss's granddaughter it ends up in like a new hunger games um that'd be terrible it'd be a terrible but it'd be smarter than a prequel Unfortunately, you'd have a lot of bad meta lines where people are complaining like, you don't need to bring the Hunger Games back. <laughs> that would end up in I, the trailer. I think you would just say, you know what? I think the story is finished and we don't need to see anymore. Exactly. And I, I think most people are seeing these movies for Jennifer Lawrence. They're not interested in like whatever boring as shit, like teenage you know, version of President Snow they're going to cast. And you're like, oh, that's how President Snow learned how to poison people. I'm so glad I saw this movie. Well, no. So was the Francis Lawrence's idea like the... It would have been the first Hunger Games. Yeah. I mean, the timeline doesn't quite add up. Okay. Because <laughs> I was like, President Snow is really old. Then. He's 90. No. <laughs> I mean, no matter what, it would, just, it would just be so bad. That'd be it's such a terrible, terrible idea for a movie. Hopefully they don't do that. Yeah. Uh, but interestingly, box office. This movie, you know, a disappointment at $101 million opening weekend. It's definitely the lowest of the Hunger Games series. Do you think maybe there's, is there fatigue for Katniss? Is it just that the book was bad? It could be a lot of things. I think it's it's interesting the way they call this a disappointment. Um, oh, relative. Yeah. Still, like, you know, worldwide box office, it looks like it's at $247 million. I mean, they're not losing money, but it, it was a big drop off from like the first two Hunger Games and Catching Fire were huge. Then Mockingjay Part One fell off a little, and this one fell off even more. Mm. I mean, I think there's probably a lot of factors. One of them, uh, according to you know box office reports, is just basically like the Force Awakens is sucking all the air oxygen out of the room. Right, like that's what everyone's kind of anticipating. I didn't see a ton of ads for Mockingjay, although I don't normally watch TV. The problem is it's not a story that you can put, you know, on lunchboxes. No, I mean, they, like I said, they, they're definitely not looking to delight anyone. This wasn't the fun one. Right. Or I guess it's more fun than Mockingjay Part 1. But it was it really felt like you were just like grinding to the end um, with this like depressing dark ending. The book was not popular. Mockingjay Part 1 was a real downer. So. 
I can see a lot of reasons why this movie isn't going to make as much money at the box office. And usually sequels in general don't make as much. Like, that's just a normal thing. Right. But, I mean, it, it seemed weird that they had, like, the charity pins that you could buy when you bought your tickets at the theater. For suckers like you. I didn't buy one. But, like, uh, for Fighting Hunger. Fighting Hunger. This, like, dystopian murder movie. Like, like after you've left the murdernasium mm-hmm. of the future, like, you should think about the fact that people are actually generally starving. Yeah. We didn't see any starving in the movies, but theoretically no. it was happening. Well, is, is that one of the things that Francis Lawrence was thinking about in his prequel? Like, let's hit some emaciated ribs in there. Yeah, I don't know. I do wonder, like, this Divergent movie and, like, that third Maze Runner movie... Those aren't making a ton of money. I mean, they're kind of making their budget back, but maybe they're maybe the whole dystopian future thing is getting a little bit played out because it sure seems like it to me. Mm. But I mean, the dystopian future thing just happens to be like where the YA books were going, but they're all still essentially a reaction to the success of Harry Potter, though, aren't they? I mean, a little bit. I mean, I don't know about the dystopian part of it. Obviously, like, you know, like teen fiction was somewhat a reaction to, you know, first Harry Potter, then Twilight, then Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. But I, it just seems like maybe it's just because there's such a relentless desire to, like, not have fun in these movies. that It's turning people off eventually. It's like it's like too cliche to just have like a love triangle. So now they have to do whatever they can to, like try to subvert that trope to the point that I mean these books are, you know, they're written for teenagers. They're theoretically supposed to be a little fan servicey. Mm-hmm. I mean the Maze Runner movies play out like the most unimpressive sci-fi TV show that I wouldn't green light. The most generic movie I've ever seen probably is the uh, Scorch Trials. Um it was so boring. Why would you call a movie or a book or anything the death cure? Death cure. Uh, all right. Well, uh, make one change. <sighs> I got nothing. I'm trying to, you know, stay in the interest of not just rewriting the whole book. Um, <laughs> at the very least, why couldn't they have brought Prim along on their missions the whole way through as like their medic, the team medic? Then she would have been around. She would have been a character. It would have made it sense for her to be where she was. And you can uh. see, like, you know, she's with Katniss at the end. A bunch of people get injured. She runs in to help. And then it's then exploded. I, I don't know. That's what I would have done. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, for especially for including her. Mm-hmm. Like, making you, reminding you that this fucking character exists. It's like, how the hell did she teleport from District 13 to here? Uh, I think, like, again... There are aspects of Mockingjay Part 1. I mean, from a from a theater-going experience. Never mind like, like how posterity will view these this series. From a theater-going experience, there are aspects of this movie that desperately need tenets and things thrown out in Mockingjay Part 1. And a year later, the movies aren't, I don't know, impressive enough that they stick in my memory to, to, mm-hmm. to build those touchstones. And so this really should have been one giant movie. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah, I was probably. amazed that this was like a two hour and 17 minute movie when it really didn't need to be two hours, and 17 minutes. The whole thing could have been like a two and a half hour movie. Well, especially when you consider that the first two movies and books are you know, Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a kind of structure to that that's comforting and enjoyable, you know, watching people get picked off one by one. And then they're like, not only is the third book going in a totally different direction, but now we're going to split it up in two. And it's 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 almost like a different franchise. You know, you, you go from the games to just like this kind of like depressing, like rebellion propaganda thing. Well, it's like, yeah, I mean, the second one, which you went into that, you knew going into the book or the movie that she was going to end up back in the Hunger Games. And so all you asked for it was for it to feel true and be a little surprising and kind of clever. And I think it was. The whole quarter call thing worked. And then it's like, what if the Hunger Games were real? I mean, I, I don't, I can't say I would have any idea for like, you know, a major reimagining of the third book, but it just seems like surely they could have done something else. I is don't know. there, is there a line in the third book? Is, is Phoenix line about? Yeah. Like, welcome. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The welcome to the 76 Hunger Games. That's in the book too. Okay. Cause it uh, seems. It's a little, it's like this line is here for the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hey, I want Candace to look and be like a little on the nose, Finnick, a little on the nose. Yeah. I might make one change. I don't know if Prim was in the, the story more. I think the ending would have had a lot more impact, especially mm-hmm. if like she'd survived up until then. Katniss had been able to protect her. I don't know. I mean, maybe that would have taken away a little bit from Katniss protecting PETA, but. Otherwise, I think it's just poor story construction. I mean, I don't know. I would have almost like included like a, like a previously in Hunger Games, like you know, with the the, the you went her previously. Quick little mention of her like doing the whole medical thing, but also like, like Hamish's deconstruction of Katniss and reminding you that like you really felt something for Katniss when she volunteered for her sister. Hmm. All right. Well, let's do power rankings. Uh, should we do this in reverse? We were just thinking that for some reason we don't do them. Uh, counting down. I don't know if it gets pretty impressive either way. Might as well. Okay. Who's your number 10? Uh, it's a combination between Michelle Forbes and Commander Paler. Okay. Any particular reason or just... Uh, you know, the Michelle Forbes, I just really wanted to work her in. Because I, I always like her. And Commander Paler, I thought, had an effect. Like, they, they beefed her up a little bit. But, I mean, I worked. I got her. I, I recognized her from the beginning to the end when she becomes president. She mm-hmm. seemed decent enough. I don't know. She didn't come out of nowhere. Yeah, exactly. Uh, mine number 10 is Finnick O'Dare. <laughs> uh, he had his little shining moment in that very muddled sewer action scene there. Uh, at least got to kill a few people with that trident. They didn't show his whole, like, him being able to call the trident back to him, like Captain mm-hmm. America thing. Uh, oh. Which, like, that's, that's like his undoing is he, Katniss is being attacked and he throws a trident at the thing, at the mud attacking her, and, and so he doesn't have to defend himself. But also, uh, you needed part one just to have BT be like, I also invented a new trident for Finnick mm-hmm. that he won't use for a year. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, nine, I, well, also, I just want to mention with Finnick, uh, way to go just watching Finnick get attacked on the letter, ladder instead of covering him, Katniss. Yeah. He's just like staring down at him like, oh, look, he's not going to make it. Like, you have a gun. <laughs> you want to give him some cover? No. Nice job. Uh, my number nine is, oh, this is this is really telling. My number nine is Peta. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I have Peta slightly higher up. My number nine is President Snow. 
Wow. Okay. Literally got the last laugh in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. My number Plucked. eight. Yeah, fucked. My number eight is Peta. Uh, I mean, Peta <laughs> really higher. <laughs> Peta got the bedroom eyes at the end. He wins. Team yeah. Peta triumphant. Yeah. Take that, Gale. You never even ranked. The sad thing is that you know that Gale is going to go off to whatever district that he's like now a military commander in, and like he's going to have like weird Gale groupies. Well, he goes off to two. He's probably hooking up with Commander Lime. Mm. He's like, like the way you uh, wanted to kill all the civilians really gets me going the way you want to trap them all and have them uh basically well it, she's like if they were here now they'd probably be coughing mm-hmm. and suffocating but uh yeah and then he's like i really have to look up to you yeah literally um what's my number, number eight. seven my or number eight, eight sorry my number eight is boggs boggs okay add Box at seven uh, i like boggs boggs should curse the day he ever met katniss everdeen a little bit yeah yeah, he's like, prior to you, I was the military commander who escorted people to meetings. Now I got no fucking legs. They didn't mention it in the movies at all, but in the book, he has like a either like a son or like a much younger brother or something. Hmm. Uh, yeah, too bad. Uh, my number seven is Hamish. Hamish. Yeah, I've got Hamish higher, I think. Oh, wait, no, Hamish is not on this shit. You know, I should, I should, I should say, I should probably should, have Hamish on here somewhere. It should be Hamish slash Effie because I don't think Effie's on my list at all. Yeah, yeah, those two they deserve a mention somewhere in here, like six and a half. Um, I mean, Hamish delivers. Mm-hmm. My number six is a uh, Pollux Troy there. Okay. I mean, we all thought that dude is a goner, and then somehow he still survives. So gotta give it to him. Also, bonus points for when he gets to like Tigress's lair there. He lets his hair down. Yeah. And he's got like 70s rock star hair. Yeah. At first I was like, wait, is that a wig? What's going on? And I realized he just took his hair down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my number six is an honorary slot for Philip Seymour Hoffman. This is not his like strongest like uh, display in the movies. Mm-hmm. But still, yeah. yeah, his presence, like like you said, his presence is felt in that letter scene when he's not there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, my number five is Joanna Mason. Wow, okay. My number five is President Snow. I really wanted Joanna and Cressida to have a scene together. I want them to have like a, a whirlwind romance together. I feel confident that they would have hooked up. Oh, yeah. They seem like each other's type. See, I think, so, in any kind of sequel, you need to have the Natalie Dormer, Jenna Malone, like, mm-hmm. coupling. You need to have, like, the Hamish, Effie, kid. Just imagine what that kid will look like. <laughs> be freakish, probably. <laughs> Hell yeah! Um, I almost maybe, wanted maybe Effie he to be dating a tiger girl. Yeah, I almost wanted Effie to like be eating dinner with him at the end. Like yeah. her and Hamish are like kind of the uh, de facto like parental units of Peta and Katniss. Well, I think the thing is that she probably does love them like family, but she wouldn't be there at the end because she fucking hates dust. Yeah. Like, this place is too dirty. Also, you people stink. So, who do you have five? Snow? Snow. Okay. Yeah. Can't Just go wrong with Snow. He's, well, he's, this is like his least amount of screen time. Um, but I like him. I liked him much more in this movie than I did in the uh, previous one. Because the whole speech about... Well, well like, they just make him like a nice guy it's in the this. things you love that mm-hmm. kill you. Like, yeah, that was ridiculous. Yeah. 
Uh, I've got number four, Katniss Everdeen. Interesting. Uh, downgrade a little for your stupid plan that got everyone killed. Yes, it is your fault. My number four is President Coin. Okay. For the shoes. I, I can only hope that Supreme Leader Snoke has a little bit of her flair. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I wanted to like Katniss more, but I just felt like they're going out of their way to make her unlikable. I mean, she's kind of horrible. Okay. And, and not in an entertaining way, at least in this. It just seems like she's just so put upon. It's it's like, yes, she's a teenage girl. Maybe she would be reacting to things this way, but like, can you give your hero a little bit more of a hero moment? I don't know. That was my feeling. Uh, my number three is uh, Cressida, Nellie Dormer. My number three is Finnick slash Nellie Dormer. I mean, if Nellie Dormer is going to do any more movies where she's running around with a submachine gun, I'm not going to complain. I mean, she she briefly takes the movie over when they're in the sewers there. She starts just like mowing dudes down with a machine gun and like she takes charge. She she, she gets her moment to shine there. Well, I, could, I think you could say that for all of the like, let's do something fucking bizarre and bonkers as far as fashion or mm-hmm. looks or style or whatever. Hers is like the perfect marriage of that and with like palpable. Her look is a big success, I think. It's yeah. just weird enough without being completely off-putting to the audience. Yeah. Like, I, I want to say she might have, like, green skin or something in the book. I could be wrong on that. But, like, there are some looks. Bald with, like, full-on vines. Maybe it's just more tattoos. But there are some looks that would just be a little too weird, I think. I yeah. think hers is, like, a nice split the difference there. She's, so like, had... one of those actors currently that just about any franchise or series or whatever, I would be like, can we work Nellie Dormer into this? Mm-hmm. Can we get a scene of her and Jenna Malone and Idris Elba just and... hanging out? And a machine gun, yeah. And a machine gun, yeah. Uh, so you had Finnick and Natalie Dormer? Yeah, yeah, your number three? What's your two? My two is Katniss. Okay. My two is Plutarch Heavensby. Uh, the Varus of the Hunger Games. <laughs> A little bit. Yeah. He, I just, I like that they gave him just that little smile at the end when, when Coin goes down and, and then, you know, Hamish talking about how, like, you know looks like somebody did win the hunger games after all like i just like that they they kind of set it up like oh yeah this whole time plutarch he, he arranged it all like you can almost see him in the way he's reacting to coin when she's getting like more and more crazy mm. he's playing the game there he's he's being Varus. he's he's gonna give her enough rope to hang herself basically yeah i'd say the Varus thing is very accurate he's not so much uh little finger per no. se he's definitely Varus. um well, what is in the, in the line of the letter? It's just like everyone was really surprised by the murder you committed, Katniss. Not Except me. For me, yeah, yeah. It's like he, he was, you know, shaping the game the whole time. Yeah. <sighs> it was a nice send off for Philip Seymour Hoffman. Who is your number one? I. Do we have the same number one? Maybe. Joanna Mason. No, no, my my Joanna Mason is number five for me. Oh, okay. Uh, my number one is Buttercup the Cat. Oh, that cat is that cat is a a vampire who stole everyone else's chill. (laughs) Like completely unrattled and unfazed by Katniss. 
I would like to see a, a recut of well, not the first one because they have the wrong cat in there, but like a recut of the like two through four with like the cat scenes, but like with subtitles for what he's saying or thinking. Yes. <laughs> he's like, why are you throwing you to me, bitch? <laughs> he's just like, bitch, you crazy. But I mean, that that cat definitely won that scene. Like everyone is like kind of laughing at first at the cat, and then yeah. they're all just like, oh. Well, she's just like, Prim's gone. Prim's mm-hmm. dead. And the cat's like. Well, she throws something at the cat. It just like looks at it and looks back at her. Yeah. I wonder how they did that. Was that CGI or I don't know what? But yeah, I don't know. Are you just like trying to composite it in or something to not react when shit gets thrown at it? (laughs) That cat was chill as fuck. Mm -hmm. Also, that cat moved. I mean, wherever District Thirteen is, that's quite a hike. Yeah, that was an incredible journey there. Okay, well, that was Mockingjay Part 2. Any final thoughts? I'm a little... You know, I, I did enjoy this series. Not like to Harry Potter levels. I did mm-hmm. enjoy it. I am also glad that it's over. Yeah, I don't think we need any more Hunger Games. I feel like we've had enough. Yeah. Maybe a little too much. Um, I mean, I guess it's nice that they were able to hue so closely to the books. Uh, if only other movies could have gotten that much uh, care and attention paid to the writing. But yeah, um, yeah I'd say that's about it. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what J-Law does next. I mean, she's kind of done with her franchises soon. So, yeah, I think she's got to be ecstatic to be getting out of X-Men after this next one. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan of her mystique anyway, so I'll be happy to. OK, well, any final thoughts? <laughs> that was my final thought. Okay. Well, we will be back next week to talk about Star Wars. Episode 4. The original. Or as I like to call it, Star Wars. <laughs> um, oh, we did have a review, so I want to take a look at that. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us on Twitter. We're at HeadcanonPod. Uh, our website page is broswatchpll2.com slash headcanon. Mm-hmm. And if you like the podcast, feel free to rate or review us on iTunes. We got another one recently from, as I pull it up here. It's from uh, Karina LV. Uh, She liked us imagining Ron and Hermione getting crazy with the Polyjuice Potion. Let's just take a moment again to think about what they would do with that Polyjuice Potion. I think the thing is that we didn't really cover when we went into that whole tirade. Is it's not just about playing with ideas of sexuality but also of gender well and just with identity in general yeah you know yeah could be somebody completely different i mean there's there there's many opportunities for fanfic i mean it's all of those things it's also potentially a a hunger games level of like sexual gymnastics Mm -hmm. yeah may the odds be ever in your favor (laughs) yeah we'll be back next time talk star wars until then have a good one Thank you.